Have you heard about MorningTechMeeting.com? What is that? Someone might ask. And I would say, hey, someone, these are daily six to eight minute sessions sent directly to your team members where Eric, the Tech Whisperer Sprig, will lead them through soft skills training. Think about this. As an owner, you can have Eric helping you to daily enhance your team development, daily accelerate your culture of excellence, and daily boost your bottom line. Eric developed the, this system while working in his own company, something I'm super excited to talk about and share with you in an upcoming episode of the Diojo podcast. Check this out. Normally, this service is $39 a month, but if you mention the Diojo podcast promo, they'll knock off $10. That's $29 a month to have Eric, the Tech Whisperer, Sprague, helping you build your team. Check it out at morningtechmeeting.com. They've got free samples. And like we said, mention the Diojo podcast promo for your special deal. And let's get this thing going. Welcome back to the Diojo podcast. podcast. That, my friends, was an attempt at ASMR. So if you don't know what that is it's something the young people like some of them uh it's weird but um and i hope i don't know what asmr stands for so hopefully it's not anything uh you know too risque but um it it, it does i hope those of you in quarantine land are doing well um i know in our state our governor announced friday at 12 30 that um we can uh, get back to low-risk residential and commercial construction uh, given certain provisions. So, you know, hopefully as we continue to roll out safely into the new normal, um, that we all do our part to kind of make sure that goes as well as possible to keep as many people safe as possible, um, you know, and hopefully get, get, get things rolling again. Uh, I know some local business have, businesses have been able to reopen, and so that's been really encouraging. Um, but uh, it made it made me think the ASMR tie-in is um, industry speak. We get so caught up in um, whether we're uh, communicating to clients, communicating to new people coming into our industry, or um, you know even as professionals trying to look into new opportunities. Um, you know we get so tied up in the industry speak. And so one example that comes to mind. You know, whether you're marketing or talking to somebody else is, uh, how, how do we like to talk about it? We'd be like, uh, well, we're going to do some uh, uh, my, my, microbial uh, 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 remediation in a, in a living environment, in a work a workspace environment that's been uh, adversely affected by, uh, uh, you know, uh, moisture that's been elevated and the humidity uh, is off the charts. And so we're going to go in there for uh, some uh, remediation of the uh, microbial. Uh, growth, uh, three-dimensional, and so uh, you know that's uh, we we can get into those t uh, pissing matches about what right words to use and those kinds of things. And as it relates to talking to the general public, not as though we're some special species of people that know more than other people, but uh, we just get so comfortable using certain words, right? And whereas the average person, if they are looking up, I have mold in my home and I would like to remove it, right? Uh, they would look up mold removal, right, or black mold or the effects of mold and those kinds of things. And so thinking better through how we communicate with our clients, with our people, you know, especially, you know, I've been working with a uh, uh, construction company that's transitioning into property restoration, mostly on the repair side. But, you know, it's funny how you take things for granted, you know, that you know this or you know that and, um, you know, inadvertently just assume people know that. So you got to kind of take yourself back. It's good to take yourself back. But um, I was thinking in particular times in my life that I've been frustrated with the process feeling, you know, whether it's been at a small company or a large company, like there's not an opportunity to grow, you know, one family-owned company that I worked for, it was like, if you didn't have the same last name as the owner, you know, it probably wasn't going to happen, right? And, uh, you know, and or, or you can marry into the family, but I just so happened to be married, happily married at the time, and 
well, not just at that time, but at this time as well. But, uh, you know, I had two kids and the trade-off of trying to get into the family, you know, wasn't something that I was going to pursue. And, um, you know, and, and I'm thankful I made the right choice there. I'll just report that. But uh, but then other times in, in larger companies feeling like, you know, uh, the opportunities weren't opening up. And you, how many times have you felt you make just enough to where going somewhere else, going into a different industry would be difficult. You know, you'd have to take a step back to take a step forward. But what I'm thinking of is how do we translate all the things that we do in property restoration to other industries? And this is helpful for speaking to clients, speaking to new people coming into the industry, but also as a professional presenting yourself to other industries. So, you know, whether, you know, thinking like, man, our, our industry intersects with facilities management and risk management and property management and construction and emergency management and, you know, all of these different fields, you know, uh, working at schools, working at large facilities, those kinds of things. Um, but somehow how we translate that. So what I'd like is stories that you have of, you know, either specific frustrations or victories that you've had or ways that you've found to communicate better, you know, both on, on, on all those levels. And so, if you've got those, please send those in, um, you know, whether it's videos or, or text or DM or whatnot. I've got a video on my Instagram, the Diojo, um, you know, asking the same. So I'd love to hear your feedback and kind of compile that into something that might be helpful. And I think it would help on all three levels, um, you know, other uh, the, uh, our peers in the industry. So I want to get into something that's a little bit technical. Um, I was, uh, our guest this week is, or on this episode is Mark Watley uh, from Actionable Insights, and he wrote a paper, Silica Exposure, Regulatory Evolution, which was published in August of 2019, and it's a research white paper by Kevin Hussey of United Fire and Water, Mark Watley of Actionable Insights, and Rachel Stewart from Titan Restoration, who I discovered uh, on this episode is the editor for Actionable Insights, but uh if you've read some of my articles, you might know a while back I um, reviewed Rachel's book, Unqualified Success. This is an awesome book. The um, subcaption subtitle is Bridging the Gap Between Where You Are Now and Where You Want to Be to Achieve Massive Success. And this not only was one of the best books I've read from our industry, property restoration industry, but probably one of the best books I've read on personal professional development in recent years that I can remember. Um, just well written. Um, she blends personal stories with, um, you know, practical professional applications and and stories from you know well known names, but also very uniquely intertwines the story of somebody who turns out to be uh, a close family friend um, and his whole process of developing as well, and just kind of basically overcoming fear and realizing everybody's unqualified at one point and the number one thing you have to understand is you know if you're willing to suck for a time you can um, get better right just because you're not good at what it is or you don't fully understand it now you know if you'll go after it you can you can get there and that was actually uh, I recorded today um, with uh, one of my mentors uh, Denis you know same kind of story not having fear and learning as you go um, but uh, I'm excited to talk with Watley about this um, silica exposure. I think this is an up-and-coming deal. We're seeing a lot more OSHA attention on these kinds of things, and so being mindful of those. But, uh, you know, Watley has a great quote, and um, actually to tie in and kind of introduce this concept, um, you know, really rare, we've got a high-level guest that wants to share a thought with all of you. So let me see if I can get his mic hooked up. Um, go ahead and share your thought. One of the great challenges in this world is knowing enough about a subject to think you're right, but not enough about the subject to know you're wrong. Boom. <laughs> Neil. That was Neil deGrasse Ty uh, Tyson, everybody. Um, uh, thanks for stopping by, Neil. I just, I'm honored that you would even think of us, and um, hopefully that's encouraging to all you there and you know, property restoration, construction, and insurance, that's phenomenal that you would stop by. But uh, what he said, the great challenge in life, knowing enough to think you are right, <laughs> know you are wrong. Um, and Watley just 
awesome talks about coming into the industry and having a humility to ask adjusters, hey, how could I do this better? And then to collaborate with other peers and say, you know, hey, what can we do that would make this better? You know, um, I think we consider that the growth mindset. But uh, I'm really excited. Um, this is a great paper. Um, hopefully you've seen it or heard of it. And if you haven't, um, you know, go to the getinsights.org and check out the silica exposure paper, uh, white paper. And uh, let's get into the conversation with Watley. We go into some very technical things. We also talk about his experience in the industry. And uh, so we'll do a recap, obviously, at the end of the episode. But uh, thank you for listening, and let's get after it. Right. We're live here with Watley from Actionable Insights. And, um, you know, as part of our three questions with the pro, uh, you, which is something that we'll get into, you guys, uh, participated in releasing this um, silico exposure um, and the regulatory evolution of that. Um, so that's definitely something I wanted to touch on. Um, but a question I always like to ask is, um, how did you get into the restoration industry? I've, I've met very few people that ever, you know, were in high school wanting to be a part of restoration or even knew what it was. So what was your introduction and what's been your experience over the last couple of years? Hmm. Uh, fair question. Yeah, nobody has like a straightforward path to restoration, right? right? Yep. So I am no different. Uh, I did a stint out of college in private equity. Oh. And uh, that became a bit wobbly as an outcome of the financial crisis, right? And so okay. the largest PE firm in Southern California actually went tits up. And I had worked my way up wow. to chairman. I was deputy to the chairman and CEO. But uh, even in that role, like at some point, there was nothing to chair. And yeah. so we wound that firm down. And so uh, I was able to escape with a few dollars in my pocket, a little severance. And I'm like, okay, so what do I know? Um, well, I wasn't a particularly wealthy kid growing up, John. So what do you do? Uh, while yeah. everybody else is like going on vacation, I was out in the trades, right? I always worked for general contractors. So okay. I worked for an electrician for a year and a half. I worked for a flooring contractor uh, for a year and a half. And I worked for two GCs. Uh, and this was, I was especially involved in like a bunch of ADA, American Disabilities Act stuff that oh. came through in the late 90s. And I was going through high school and college. So while everybody was serving at TGI Fridays, I was a project manager for a uh, GC. Wow. And so I'm like, okay, so I know how to build. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, and I thought about it like very much from a PE perspective. I was like, okay, what is totally recession proof? Because I was harmed so violently by yeah, yeah. the Great Recession, right? I was that perfect age of just like, oh, I was on top of the world and now I'm nothing. So it's like, I want something that's totally recession proof. So I was looking at, at uh, the insurance ecosystem. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so I know something about how to build and I know. Uh, that property insurance have some attractive characteristics and uh, yeah. a, a great recession. We're going to find out how true that is right now, yeah. it would appear. Um, the quote-unquote yeah. recession-proof work. Yeah, you got it. So I uh, I think like a lot of us, uh, my dad's friend had this, you know, he was, he was uh, a carpet cleaning company and like okay. he was floundering. And then I was floundering. I was out of work. And my dad's like, hey, maybe you can provide some advice and help him clean up his finances. So... I yeah. came in there to like clean up his finance and I started looking around. I'm like, God, there's kind of a lot of gross revenues here. It's like a yeah. bunch of dollars, right? But he couldn't net, there's a bunch of fish, but he couldn't net them, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe I can help this guy out. And so I came in as a consultant and really got down to, um, he couldn't pay me the way that we had set out to, to okay. pay, but we were working together well. And so instead of taking pay, I took equity and I did that for years. And oh. so I ended up with just under majority share of a company that we together grew to just under $10 million a year in wow. revenues. So uh, just fortuitously kind of ended up in the restoration ecosystem. And I can remember like a lot of us probably on this call, like grinding it out in a garage with no yep. HVAC on my one laptop, just going climbing in attics and doing it yeah. all. So uh, that's how we, we got here. But uh, that was my road to uh, restoration, so to speak. Yeah, and then so uh, obviously you intersected with Xactimate and um, all the tools of the trade and whatnot. When um, so, what birthed actionable insights then? And uh, I, did you say that started in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen? Yeah. So what we were finding, I was so grateful for some 
of these adjusters, Scott Black comes to mind. I mean, these seasoned pros have been doing this for 20 years. If you approach them with the humility as a contractor, these adjusters, like I really Wait, don't know say how that to word again. Humility, like it, it was, it's not something that I'm often probably known for <laughs> at this point in my career. Um, but I think at that point it, it was very evident. I didn't know what I was doing, right? And you had nothing to fall back on but sure. Yeah. And so I would approach these adjusters and like, I remember coming to Scott and he was with uh, farmers back then. And uh, now he's with Nat Jen as a national training manager and actually on the board of Actionable Insights, no doubt. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, but he, full circle. Yeah, full circle. But he would be such a good steward. He'd be like, all right, Watley, like you're billing for upper cabinets when it should be lower cabinets and don't forget your toe kicks and right, da, 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 da. And I'm so grateful for that. But I watched as KIC grew and my role evolved, how there seemed to be like a we-they dichotomy emerging between us as the contractor yeah. and the carrier. And that didn't, it seemed abnormal to me, John. So in order to get more in tune with that and get closer to like what was going on on the ground, I invited uh, 30 of my fellow competitors out to my warehouse. Uh, and we, from the outset, like we're thoughtful enough to not do anything anti-competitive or, uh, or anything that could be regarded as price fixing. Price was always off the table. Uh, but we did talk about scope and we're like, hey, what line items are you guys using for a shower surround? What line oh. items are you guys using for uh, removing glue down flooring, right? What's working, what's not working? Collaborative. You got it. And what was weird is I think 90 days into that, we were doing it once a month, uh, State Farm came out. And so Several of the staff adjusters came out and then they spoke to us about the hot button issues. The next yeah. month, Liberty Mutual uh, came out and they spoke to us. Uh, the nationwide, nationwide private client came out. And yeah. so they were providing guidance for Southern California about like, hey, this is what we'd like to see. And frankly, guys, hey, we'd like to pay your bill. But if you can put it in this format, then, you know, this can be approved without hesitation. And so we just had a group. Uh, we would get together in groups of over 100. Uh, for years, oh, wow. and, like just make this happen, and yeah. we uh, we would just do it. And it was a weird hobby that I think my business partner didn't really love at KIC because it was a big drain of resources. Sure. Uh, but I just saw, saw the wisdom of like, hey, let's the rising tide raises all boats. And although it's cliche, yeah. it rang true to me then, and, and it does now. Uh, but it was always a hobby, buddy, until we brought on one of our farmer students who basically coerced me into hiring him. He was the first employee. We didn't really have employees. It wasn't really a thing. Um, we had just filed our 501c6 uh, okay. nonprofit status. And he's like, man, I want to work for you. And I'm like, oh, no, okay, sure, man. So <laughs> we hired him at like next to nothing. And like he went off in a direction uh, such that he wanted to write a book, you know, the Insight Sheet Database and or really what was the umpire's mitigation manual umpire's repair manual and so he sat down with me and for 10 months we just wrote and wow. uh that turned out to be the kid that took it from a hobby to a business to and a he's business. been really yeah dragging me along uh, uh all this time and i've been off i sold kic all this time and then i'm focused on my contents side of the business with emergency packout co and our yeah. pods business emergency storage but he's just been pulling me back into actionable uh That's but awesome. he, he's a hell of a talent and uh, he's really made it happen and i think he finds the work very fulfilling which is yeah. really refreshing to see well and so you guys um you have the exactimate training um and as far as like innovation goes like matterport and and then you have your your treasure trove of digital assets there at actionable insights um, and I guess, you know, this would be part of that uh, paradigm, the white paper, uh, the thing that kind of grabbed my attention. So, you know, at nine to five, we do asbestos abatement and that often intersects with silica exposure. Um, it's funny, I can remember when I got into the industry, we, we had uh, contemplated starting a, a, an asbestos division, right? Yeah. Um, but we thought, well, in theory, you're working yourself out of a business because you're actually... It's not like mold where it's ubiquitous and it's always going to come back. Yeah. Asbestos, in theory, there's a limited amount it's of it out there and we can right. get rid of it, but we still haven't tapped that bottom yet. Um, one of the interesting things about silica is it's in everything. And so, um, you know, when you go to the asbestos trainings, you see how at the factories, nobody was wearing respirators. 
There was no dust suppression, no water suppression, no capture systems, those kinds of things. Um, and, and obviously that led to a lot of, I mean, it's a, it, 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 the, the element itself causes problems, but the environmental controls around the industry were incredibly low, you know, and, and obviously there's a lot of lawsuits about whether that was uh, known or unknown. Yeah. Um, but in modern day, we see that the same thing. You walk by a construction site and somebody's cutting into concrete, whether it's with a handsaw or, or a walking behind saw, and there's just this plume of dust, right? And so anything, um, you know, this isn't necessarily from a verifiable source, but I was talking to somebody that has friends that work in coffee and, and they're having the same thing there. If you're exposed to excessive amounts of dust of anything, right? Yeah. And not wearing respirators, no environmental controls, no dust suppression, it's going to cause problems, you know? Yep. So it's almost like we do this to ourselves if we're not putting people in the proper PPE. So I guess that's maybe the question I wanted to ask and pose to you um, when I reached out was what kind of drove um, writing this paper um, and you partnered with Kevin Hussey out of United Fire and Water and Rachel Stewart from Titan Restoration. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what kind of led to writing the paper and what were you seeing even pre, you know, um, that, that led to uh, writing this? Well, around the time when we set out to write this, uh, NPR was just starting to launch some stories around yeah. silica, its exposure, some folks that were really sick with silicosis. Some of those that have been most effective actually worked in granite prefab countertop, yeah. right? And they're cutting yeah. it all day yeah. in yeah. a warehouse and they're just tore up. And that's now we're recognizing the folks in the field that you and I are more familiar with, you know, even yeah. miter cuttering that or making a cut for a, uh, bottom mount sink there's nothing dustier i can remember coming into job sites with homeowners that were pissed because all yeah. of their cabinets and i can just remember yeah. opening up a sink drawer and just yeah. being buried with the silica dust super from fine. Yeah. super fine right yep. um and i remember going whoa and and i wasn't wearing probably the adequate ppes because a sensitive uh, to asbestos as I was, I had actually pursued my DOSH license. I actually got my DOSH license oh. and, and, and earned that uh, after $30,000 in consulting fees and a year and a half of filing paperwork. Uh, I got, also got it revoked two weeks later, which oh. is an interesting seg segue. We did nothing wrong, um, but this is like bureaucracy at its finest. Uh, the state of California issued uh, something that you couldn't have a DOSH license unless you had a C-22, but you couldn't sit for the C-22 unless you had a DOSH license. Oh, I actually flew to Sacramento twice to help develop the test for the asbestos test, and they wouldn't let me sit for the test that I helped create. Oh. So you can imagine wow. the scathing email that I sent to the powers that be when yeah. I got my license uh, revoked for doing absolutely nothing. But uh, yeah. that's bureaucracy at its finest. Here's the point, John. Um, I myself didn't know that silica was awful uh, yeah. for us. Uh, I expected myself and, and probably unknowingly a lot of my team members over the years to silica probably not in fantastic amounts because i was never in the granite business but right. by auxiliary it certainly happened um we were good about it whenever we were cutting drywall but we were less cautious when we were cutting granite and i always sure. took a certain amount of pride in keeping my team safe uh, I took a certain amount of pride in restore and billing to keep my friend uh, a team safe, but yeah. I, I really went out of my way to make sure that, hey, uh, this is this personal protection, it, it exists for a reason, we can bill for it, use it, so on, yeah. right? I didn't think about silica, so I thought it was my obligation as somewhat of a steward of the industry to go, uh, perhaps we should put this thing together. So out on Xactimate Ninjas, which is one of the Facebook groups that's owned by Actionable Insights, there was... A lot of talk around silica at that time and so kevin hussey brought up hey watley i want to write a white paper yeah. rachel stewart she is the editor-in-chief of actionable insights so everything uh -huh. that's that's published and like formal um she reviews and proves and so on she's an amazing writer a real talent yeah. and so we just came together uh to knock this thing out so kevin did a lot of the copy and then uh mateus abundanza he did a lot of the design work under my direction so uh, those it's vectors in there are pretty pretty sexy, right? Like yeah. Uh, yeah, we put a lot of time into that. 
um, just because we wanted to visually represent, you know, right. how large those silica particles were, because I think that's how a lot of my students have traditionally learned, right? And so I yeah. wanted to kind of make that jump off the page for them that this is real. Uh, and so now to see that the cases are flowing about silica exposure and those with silicosis and like, I, I feel like we were a bit out ahead of it. And I think this is going to become a larger and larger issue, John. I think that asbestos might even be a bit overblown in North America. Chrysotile asbestos rarely leads to um, mesothelioma, right? Maybe asbestosis, but those are straight barbs. They're not like trisotile that are the curved barbs out of Australia. The blue stuff was what will really take you out, but nobody wants to make an argument over this level of asbestos or this kind of asbestos sure. is safe or not, but at least we're aware of it. With uh, silica, I don't think a lot of us were aware of it. And so yeah. I'm grateful that we got that out there. We got people thinking about it. And then when we published an update to the glued down flooring insight sheet um, for diamond grinding, I think we did some great work there at Actionable yeah. Insights because that's when you're exposed to a lot of friable uh, somebody out there is going to be like, well, that's not friable or whatever. I don't know. But um, when you're diamond grinding, you're exposing a lot of silica, right? Any reasonable person would agree to that. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And so we smoothed the way for some guidance for how would you invoice for a reasonable amount of PPEs, right? Mm. Um, on a repair side, because I think paying for PPEs on a repair estimate is like, yeah. we're not paying for, yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah I, I think that we helped with the white paper, like here's the guidance around it, here's the regulatory yeah. environment. Uh, and then here's how to bill for it. And it also helped solidify our relationship with OSHA. So OSHA has been speaking at actionable events for the last five years. Wow. And uh, OSHA pushed us to publish that as well. And so we wow. were in direct collaboration with them. They didn't want to be named on it. It got like really complicated sure. with, with if they were named on it. But we did our very best to check in with them along the way. And they have been enforcing in Southern California uh, quite a bit. So, I mean, it, issuing yeah. fines. So it's yeah. definitely real for restorers in California. Several of those in our network have been uh, actually fined for silica exposure. Well, that's what I was listening to another podcast on the topic and looking through your report as well. It's like 675,000 workplaces or something like that and, and uh, are affected because it's so prevalent it's in mm -hmm. uh, sand, metal, um, uh, cements, and glass, uh, ceramics. So, you know, almost any surface you're cutting into, it could be present. Um, but it just, I guess, maybe in transitioning to, you know, there, there's an issue. Who knew N95 mask would be in such demand and Tyvek suits and gloves would be hard to find, right? I mean, it's like, it's like toilet paper, right? Just two weeks ago wasn't even a thought, and now right. it's in short supply. Um, we, we've seen uh, one conversation I was part of, people are saying, hey, if you have N95 masks, give those to the medical field and then use your full face respirators, half face respirators. And in my mind, that might be one of the positive outcomes. I've long been a proponent, sounds like you are too. Your full face respirator protects your face, your eyes, and your lungs all at the same time. I don't know why we wouldn't be, you know, whether we're sending people into fire cleanups or just on your standard cleanup, if you're doing demo, I'm not sure why we have adverse. And I know some people have the objection that it's, you know, well, it'll scare the client. But if you have a conversation with them, hey, I'm exposed to this a whole much more than you are. Mm -hmm. It protects my face, protects my eyes, protects my lungs. What are you seeing, um, you know, kind of, um, the, the cool thing about actionable insights and what you're doing, it all ties into innovation, training. Obviously, silica touches on a huge point of safety. We need to educate ourselves and, and get ahead of it. In the post-COVID or the current COVID situation, how are you seeing those things kind of come together with innovation, training, and safety? Well, I think we're going to have to grow up as an industry. We're yeah. going to have to recognize that we have a great responsibility to each other, our fellow restorers, our fellow ownership, yeah. and to our employees. And if we want to be around in 20 years and we intend to be solvent in 20 years, it's really important that we protect our people. Uh, yeah. We can learn from the mistakes from the other industries who didn't take these exposures seriously when people at the highest ranks of the industry kind of knew there was a problem, right. right? But they didn't necessarily take meaningful action. Well, that's gone really poorly for them, 
right? Yeah. And so we can only assume that the daytime television 15 years from now is going to have a bunch of personal injury attorneys talking about silica exposure. Yeah. Shame on us as restorers if we can't get out ahead of this right. and protect our people. Shame on carriers if they can't pay for reasonable PPEs in right. a restoration environment. Right. And if I'm a claims manager at the highest levels, and I'm really grateful for where I'm at in my career now, is that I do have exposure to C-level insurance executives. A lot of them do understand that some of their very real exposure, the billions of dollars, yeah. is the personal injury exposure for systemically denying reasonable PPEs. And so yeah. I think a lot of carriers are wising up at the highest ranks of like, right. yeah, we probably don't want a systemic pattern of not paying for any PPEs because it's only a matter of time before those personal injury attorneys really realize yeah. The because they can chase after the contractors all they want, but really the deep pockets are on the carrier side. Yeah. And if they can prove a systemic pattern, then that would be problematic. And I think that we can look from what failed in other industries and just connect the dots yeah. moving forward pretty easily. Yeah. And I think carriers and stores need to grow up quickly and just protect our folks. And like you're saying about just wearing the full face mask. That's why I moved to at KIC. That's what we use at EPC. It's the North 5500 with yeah. uh, the full P100 vapors because so often we're exposed to chemicals that we're introducing into the environment anyways. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't want a situation where somebody's administering an EPA registered chemical that, that uh, you know, the P100 isn't capturing and they think it is because it's just yeah. the HEPA. So we just said straight away, everybody gets their combo. mask, right? Their combo. It goes in a little toolbox, right? It's got their, their name yeah. on it. They get fitted every year and yeah. you can set it and forget it. And that's the way I love to approach it. And those full faces, like in terms of safe and permissible amounts, from what I remember for cubic centimeter, like per actual fiber, I think it's an order of magnitude less than even a regular piggy nose. It does a much better job provided yeah. you don't have an awesome beard like yourself. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yep. I think the full face 5500 is is the way uh, to go. And when you're billing a carrier like a buck 90 a day for it, like why in the world can't they just get some reasonable relief for yeah. that? It just doesn't. Well, you have an obligation as an owner to protect, increase your knowledge, right? Reach out to these kinds of resources and educate yourself. And then especially, you know, once you become aware of it, then act on it. And then, um, uh, groups like yourself and like uh, RIA's AGA, where there's uh, collaborative advocacy for um, you know getting appropriate pricing. I mean, those are it calls more now more than ever for us to work together to say, hey, these are reasonable things that we need covered. Uh, it doesn't if it's not being paid for, it doesn't excuse your responsibility to it. And then and then yeah. But I to shouldn't interject, John, that there is a big distinction between actionable and what the AGA is doing. Sure. Um, actionable has to, uh, this really fine line, because our board is made up of even primarily carrier professionals and really credible restorers, you know, we have to give equal credence to both sides. And so when we're advocating on behalf of our membership, maybe with the, the pricing department at ExactWare, et cetera, we are bringing forth line items that pr provide some value to both sides. Of sure claim right yep, um, yep. and we never touch pricing you'll never see us deal with pricing straight away so we like to communicate in terms of scope and line items but we leave it up to the other powers to be because there's no way that we or myself can advocate as it relates to pricing and not put myself yep. in a precarious position yep. with my current employer or you know with my board membership how could yep. i represent the interest of both right but when yep. we see something where there's an impasse in the claim continuing to emerge or hey the the adoption of this particular line item would yeah. likely help manage overarching severity but provide some relief in the immediate term for contractors doing the right thing yeah. uh, those are the line items that we explore uh, but what the AGA is doing uh, I don't want to comment on as an actionable insights representative I just want to stay um, good, bad, and different. It's it's a very different approach and perhaps necessary, but it, it, it deviates pretty fantastically from the mission of actionable insights. Sure, is that fair? Well, and I think I think more. My comment was uh, hopefully uh, speaking to collaboration. Right, the origins of actionable insights, as far as you guys meeting together and saying, "Hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're approaching it. Right. These are best practices." And I think you guys are continuing that with your digital assets, and then. 
things like the silica exposure paper, which are educational in nature, right? And, and more best practices. Yeah, that's our give back, buddy. Those are free. We just like yeah, to get those out yeah. there. We are publishing one, you know, every six months or so, but they take a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Rachel and I do enjoy turning out that content, right? And yeah. making sure we're thinking about the right things. But yeah. uh, I, I'm glad that you picked that up, that that spirit's coming through. Like with no particular yeah. bias, we're like, hey, this seems real. Yeah. And this is uh, the regulatory environment around it. And here's how you know, one might react to it. So yeah, you have to I like to think that we've gotten a lot more people thinking about silica than yeah. they were 18 months ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think you mentioned, like you mentioned, people are actually facing cases of it, right? And uh, you're hearing of actual legal um, being brought against restorers specifically? This or? seems contrived, but um, an hour and a half ago, my business partner showed up in my office uh, and he sat right at that desk to my left, your right. And yeah. he's like, yeah, so we just got subpoenaed. I'm like, oh God, like, what is this? Right. And I've proud, uh, you know, I took a certain amount of pride. It's like, I never sue anybody. I don't yeah. have these problems like with yeah. seeing through liens. And so I'm like, why are we getting subpoenaed? Like what the hell uh, is going on? It's like, actually it's not a bad thing, uh, at least for us. Um, so a flooring contractor, well-known in California, uh, not that doesn't serve the restoration ecosystem as much as they're on TV and they kind of serve like regular residential. Right. Yeah. Um, we did uh, emergency packout co did the packout for, uh, in preparation for the flooring to be replaced okay. when they did the flooring, they diamond ground the slab, as I was mentioning earlier, and they dusted out the entire property. Okay. And although that was just annoying to the policy holder, it became, uh, especially an issue when two of the kids uh, came down with uh, silicosis. And so um, they are still dealing with that. They're now asthmatic, so on. It's a problem. And so they filed suit against that flooring contractor. And wow. since we did the pack out, we got subpoenaed and so on for uh, they want the Matterport tours that we've done. Emergency Packout Co. fortuitously does a pre-mitigation and post-mitigation scan on every law. So we actually have a 3D rendering of the property uh, before and after, right? And we're prior to and mm -hmm. nice, very nice. And so that is going to be helpful. And actually, it's really elegant for us to hand that yeah. over to the attorneys and like, here you go, guys. Yeah. Uh, and we continue to host those for our clients for perpetuity uh, as part of our value proposition. So uh, it was nice that we were just able to hand that over and here's our scope of work and, and done deal. So uh, we don't have a particular relationship with the flooring contractor, yeah. right? So we're just kind of like, here you go. Um, but very interesting that you and I have this meeting today. And then yeah. just an hour and a half ago, yeah. it's like, Watley, dude, we just got subpoena, knowing that nothing about you and I meeting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for anybody watching this, very real, right? Yeah. Just hit yeah. me as a restorer. Like, yeah. luckily, I'm not at the tip of the spear here, but yeah. involved in a claim. Uh, and that's going to be, I mean, it's a seven figure claim, right? This is a big yeah. deal and perhaps it, it should be. So, uh, I think they were probably just, you know, laborers out there doing their thing, working under yeah. somebody's direction, nobody thinking about it, but the days of behaving that way, certainly in California, uh, yeah. it's totally irresponsible. Like, and well, I'm sure plenty of come to roost. I'm sure plenty of people will think, well, that's just California, but we all know as California goes, it tends to drill down. So, um, mm -hmm. But for just, good or for bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it'll take 24 months before it hits Mark Springer in Montana, but it, <laughs> it, it, it will happen, Mark. Uh, mark my words, buddy. It comes. Well, to and it speaks to. I think that's. Um, you know, um, it just speaks to all in all being proactive and innovative as far as it comes to you know protect you know understanding the information that's available and protecting your employees and then figuring out ways to continue to provide value and to, you know, uh, extract value for um, both setting yourself apart and then, um, you know, uh, doing the work uh, properly. Um, I like how you said, I think you said offline, you had a quote where, um, you know, the, the origins of actionable insights was diverse perspectives with uh, shared objectives, you know, right. and I think, um, I think that, you know, hopefully that's a part of what our industries you know, understanding the value in altogether. I mean, we're such a, 
our origins are all independent entrepreneurs, but um, if we can share pieces of the puzzle, then um, you know we have a much better perspective of how to move forward. Um, so as we, I guess as we wrap up, you've been super generous with your time. Um, is there any other closing comments that you'd like to, um, to share with, uh, with the group? Uh, John, thank you for the forum, first of all. Uh, yeah. But I, I think I'd wrap up with this notion. Not only is it our responsibility, if I'm to put on my restore hat, and I've got a couple of them, but if I put on my restore hat, it's not only a responsibility to protect our employees, uh, and it's not our responsibility to invoice it. It's really also our obligation to all the materially interested parties, be it the yeah, policyholder, the yeah. staff adjuster, the TPA analyst, to explain the why behind it and yeah. do that patiently and do that with a, a spirit of education. So, you know, when oh. I train, I, I don't train towards this we they dichotomy and like yeah. this is how you fight and this is how you win, right? We've eliminated that kind of terminology from our curriculum. And really we like folks to uh, really take responsibility for mastering, you know, the the contents of that curriculum. Don't just know that the oh Watley and you know, uh, Hussey wrote some white paper, right? That Rachel yeah. approved, like read wow. it, Here it is. Like, right? Yeah. Read it, right? Like yeah. read it, yeah. know it, be able to refer back to it in your emails or elegantly off the tip of your tongue on a phone call, right? That's right. what it takes. That's mastery. And that's when you're educating and that's when you can remain calm, right? And display that mastery of an idea. And that's when I found that you can get paid without hesitation. And huh. that's what it means to be a restorer in 2020. In 2002, all you had to do was really swing a hammer and write yeah. up a yellow pad that said $18,768 restoration activities. But that yeah. doesn't work in today's environment. Yeah. And so it's our obligation to really master these nuanced topics and really bring them to bear in an educational format. And I find that the results are consistently compelling. Yeah. Well, we always like to say, tell the story of the loss, right? You know, so you got to understand what you're getting into and then be able to be storytelling medium is typically exactimate. So you got to learn the language, right? And uh, speak it uh, eloquently. So um, you, uh, you mentioned there's the umpires mitigation manual, the umpires repairs manual, and then those are broken down into um, segments. Um, yeah, they're, they're books. Don't buy the books. They're really expensive <laughs> and they're expensive for Harrison to print. So whatever you do, don't buy the book. You guys have uh, basically broken those down into insight sheets, right? That's yeah. your insight That's a, database. For yeah. $7 a month, you can have access to 3,700 pages of invoicing templates. And so it yeah. shows the line item and it shows the why behind it. And we yeah. bring to bear maybe 150 years of restoration experience of like, this is why the line item was created. And this is how you yeah. can justify it given the scenario. And here in the 16 name perils, why the consequences damages might respond to this particular activity. And so we just provide guidance around uh, why one might invoice that for that, uh, be it an IA, be it a staff adjuster, be it a contractor. It was written with no particular bias. Uh, I guess the bias was to just give equal credence to uh, omissions as, as well as excesses and overages. And I think that's yeah. what nobody ever did before. That was yeah. a, uh, maybe perhaps a refreshing approach. It's yeah. not written with any particular bias. Yeah, that's a, again, I mean, I, I love that line, diverse perspectives, but shared objectives and uh, a big proponent of collaboration and figuring out how we got to build something sustainable directed uh, towards that, that uh, uh, goal. So, man, I appreciate you, Watley, for um, sharing your time with us. And uh, hopefully this will be the first of many conversations. So I like it. I had fun. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. All right, John. Be good. Okay, well, that's a wrap on another uh, The Diojo Podcast. Podcast. Um, so uh, I, I hope some of the takeaways definitely from Watley's uh, discussion and from the paper, again, that's the Silica Exposure Regulatory Evolution, published August 2019 on um, getinsights.org from Actionable Insights. So... Celica is no joke. Watley announced, you know, they're being subpoenaed right now, you know, for uh, silica related exposure um, from a subcontractor on a project that they were working on. So, um, you know, it's out there. OSHA's out there. 
This is something that um, owners and managers and technicians need to be aware of. So some of those recaps, um, this is a pervasive material. Silica is found in you know, most materials, including sand, metals, cements, glass. Um, and I believe if I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on my statistics, but the uh, OSHA estimates there are 675,000 workplaces. So it's not only pervasive, it's widespread. Um, you know, Watley was talking about, you know, countertops is another one, you know, those cementitious, uh, you know, materials that have silica in them. So, and the risk exposure is great because it's pervasive and widespread. It's almost exclusively an occupational exposure by nature. So the silicosis is an occupational exposure. Uh, so that's a risk, you know, we need to be aware of as technicians, managers, owners, um, and it's chronic. It's one of the most chronic diseases worldwide. So like Watley said, I mean, you're going to be seeing, I think I've already seen a few silica exposure, you know, the liability. So it's, it's not something to take lightly. It's something we need to be aware of. It is pervasive, like most things, environmental controls, PPE, you know, safe work practices, you know, things like hooking up a vacuum when you're doing cuts, you know, using water, those kinds of things um, to uh, dust suppression. So ignorance is not going to be an excuse. You can't get away with, well, I didn't know, you know, um, it, it, it's not an excuse. We have to know these things and case by case, as we learn more, we've got to be educating ourselves. What is Alec Baldwin say in um, Glengarry Glen Ross, uh, always be closing ABC, right? So it's actually for our industry should be in any industry should be always be learning ABL. <laughs> Doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same, but the more you know, now you know. And when we do know, we're responsible. So again, we can't claim ignorance. Uh, we have to be responsible and empower people on your team. You know, somebody's got to be kind of take the lead on safety and, and educate and update. And, um, you know, it's a responsibility to everybody. So on the flip side of that, you can't say, well, the safety guy didn't tell us, you know, that's not an excuse either. And so I really enjoy his quotes. We got the rising tides raise all ships. I know that's not attributed to Watley, but um, just from his standpoint of entering the industry, uh, getting his butt kicked on estimates and then saying to the adjusters, hey, um, what could I do to present this better? What is the way you want to see this to where um, you can approve it? I understand you can't approve this, but what can you approve? What makes sense? Um, and, you know, it's fun. I'm working with um, another contractor that's not new to construction, but new to property restoration and playing the um I'd say insurance game, you know, with Xactimate and those kinds of things. And they're coming at it with fresh eyes. Um, we're actually working on a segment um, with Brian from All American uh, Pros versus Joe's is kind of the, the working title where, you know, I've been in the industry quite a while and he's coming into it and kind of discussing, you know, both reviewing and recapping some of the podcast and you know, questions that come up from his perspective. And then um, it is encouraging, you know, if you rather than, you know, uh, pissing on, you know, young up and comers that uh, maybe are making mistakes and many of the same mistakes that we made coming up through the industry, you know, coming alongside of them, hey, instead of blasting them on LinkedIn, you know, in, in public, maybe send them a private message and say, hey, did you know, da, 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 da. You know, and maybe I can help you with that. So, and that's what Watley talks about. They got a group of 30 contractors together um, and, and eventually it attracted other, you know, adjusters and, and representatives from the insurance companies just to say, you know, a peer, peer-to-peer group to say, hey, what are you guys doing as far as scope that's helping? And Watley wanted to be very clear, not price fixing or talking about price, but scope, you know, what, uh, how are you guys uh, approaching this? And that rolls into... Um, diverse perspectives, shared objectives. That's a great quote, you know. And so both peer-to-peer -peer collaboration, but also, you know, that client-carrier-contractor paradigm, that relationship, you know, and um, understanding everybody's responsibilities within the claim, you know, doing your part to do your part, and, um, and, and being a doctor of disaster, mastering, you know, your part of the equation. Uh, and then partnering with the others on their part. And um, Watley did want to make sure there's a difference between 
uh, actionable insights and like the Restoration Industry Association, AGA, the Advocacy and Government Affairs. Um, we interviewed uh, episode three, Ed Cross, who is the, um, the chair of the AGA committee. And, um, you know, in that interview, Ed talks about being aggressive, diplomatic, and ethical, um, and also working, collaborating with the carriers and Xactimate and those kinds of things. There's been some really exciting discussions, you know, um, starting off with the discussion with Bill Loveland uh, of Xactware of advocating for the industry, but also making something sustainable. It does have to go full circle with client, carrier, and contractor. So, um, you know, there's just really good things happening in the industry and um, there's great things to be a part of and support. And so whether it's a uh, local, regional, or something on that national level. And uh, I guess kind of that closing, I mentioned it, the doctor, we call it the doctor of disaster, you know, as far as developing your skills and developing your team, you know, and, and most of that comes through experience and, and oftentimes failure. Um, but uh, this is great, um, you know, technical training and insights from um, actionable insights. What did he reference? It's the Umpire's Guide to Mitigation and Repair Manual. Umpire's Mitigation and Repair. They're two separate uh, uh, books um, that they've broken out into their training segments. Um, you know, their treasure trove of, uh, of um, training um, materials. And so you have that technical aspect from thing, people like Actionable Insights, um, our sponsor of the podcast, uh, MorningTechMeeting.com. You know, they've got the soft skills daily training for your technicians to help them develop. Hopefully this podcast helps bring to light some of the efforts within the industry, just up and coming people that are doing social media and approaching the business in a different way. And like I said, we're working on a, another segment um, that I'll be co-hosting with a uh, with an up-and-coming um, contractor that's new to the industry. So hopefully those things are of value to you and continue to encourage you as you develop personally and professionally, uh, which is our goal here at the DOJO. So um, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Like listening to podcasts and listening to podcasts. It's just neat to hear people's stories, you know. Listening to podcasts.